Yo, yo, welcome back to Uncultured Bias Podcast. Um, you know, I always like to start off a song that kind of gives us the mode about what we're going to talk about. Uh, one of the things I love about that song, for a shout out to Troop, man. Uh, we haven't heard Troop in a long time, so, um, but I love that song. It brings me back uh, to a lot of things, puts me in a great mindset. Uh, one of the things I love about that song is... You know, the sky is calm, the stars are bright. What's better than to be in flight? I relax my mind and be at ease and let this journey set me free. I spread my wings and fly away to a place that I long for, and my heart will be the pathway. Um, I couldn't think of a better song to really uh, talk about just flying out on your own and doing, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, black entrepreneurship. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that when the Wright brothers invented the airplane in 1903, They flew into a wall of public skepticism. A lot of people said, how can something so heavy fly in the air? And a lot of people didn't believe in it. I think that's really the uh, embodiment of just entrepreneurship. And especially within our community, we think about um, striking out on our own and doing things that are beyond most people's imagination and creating a concept that it's hard for people to conceive or conceptualize. Um, it takes a boldness to, you know, create a plane and fly out in the air or step, you know, spread my wings and fly away. And you have to fly away from your own self-doubt. You have to fly away from uh, even internal um, criticism or external criticism. Um, and you have to do things that require those, require a sense of belief that I can do anything. I can fly. I can, I can um, generate uh, my own propulsion from this current environment that I'm in. And I'm fascinated by that because I grew up in that environment. I grew up with, you know, from Jamaican um, immigrants, who, parents and grandparents who, you know, believe in entrepreneurship and understand that in order for them to grow from their current status in life, they had to do something that was different from their history. Um, you know, they, there was a study that said that um, uh, black wealth is directly tied into black entrepreneurship. It's not tied in directly just into your professional career, but those who've actually struck out and done something, whether it's um, investments, um, real estate investment, uh, financial investments um, in the markets or, you know, obviously creating a separate income. They always say that you have to you have to um, have a separate income from your main source of um, income in order to actually grow financially in this country. They don't talk about that often. You know, they say, oh, just work hard and Go to school, work hard, and, uh, and and you know you'll be successful. Well, that probably worked in the 1950s, um, you know, in the 1960s even. Or, but it's 2021. It's hard for people to actually get to a level of financial, um, set, uh, financial growth and well-being in and just working their job. Now, there are some careers that offer this opportunity for you to, you know, generate um, large sums of wealth simply just by working. But for the most part, you have to do something different. You have to step out. You have to fly. You have to create. And this is where we're at. And so, again, I'm going to start this uh, series on just entrepreneurship, black entrepreneurship. And um, I hope you all take the ride. Again, you know, I know always on on Culture Bias podcast, we kind of do some editorial, you know, uh, 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 topics that regard, you know, what's going on in the country. But, you know, every once in a while, we like to just kind of, um, talk about the center of black culture and the black culture for me is black growth, black wealth. Um, 
If you're tuning in the Uncultural Bias Podcast, my name is Kamara Williams. Of course, I am your host. Uh, you know, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you are listening on Apple uh, or Spotify, if you're listening to Apple, please uh, rate the episode. Um, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And um, we'd ask you to, both on Spotify and Apple, to share the episode amongst your friends and let them know uh, what we're doing. Um, especially for Apple, we always say rate it because it helps with the algorithms and helps them with them thinking that people are actually listening to the show and it's something of interest. So I always tell people, please, please, please give me a five-star rating and leave a comment. Um, my final ask, obviously, is share it on social media and text it to your friends. Let them know, you know, this is a great podcast. I love it, so forth and so on. And um, they talk about X, Y, and Z, and you should check it out. Uh, send the send link and boom, there we go. We find a new listener. Um, we'd like to thank our sponsors for this week. Uh, if you're in a market or start, interested in starting a business um, and want to know just between LLC, S-Corp, or understand the tax consequences, please con- contact Compass Tax Advisors. Um, they have a course that gives you the ins and outs of forming a business and tax strategy tips. You can reach them at uh, mycompasstax.com or at 850-273-7193. That's 850-273-7193. Um, of course, but since we're talking about entrepreneurship, I think that's, that would be a great, great um, format or um, uh, business for you guys to look into as far as um, your tax consequences. Of course, if you're in a market for real estate and you want to actually invest in real estate, please com- contact uh, KeystoneGlobalRealEstate.com at 407-680-8510. That's 407-680-8510, KeystoneGlobalRealEstate.com. And finally, uh, once you get in the, if you're in the market um, for a protecting those assets that you've either um, got the tax advice from or that you've bought real estate, uh, investment real estate, uh, contact our firm. We can help you with um, trust and guardianships and uh, all these other wonderful things that help protect your assets um, at 888-SWTGLaw.com. That's 888-SWTGLaw um, that's, uh, or 888-798-4529 at C. Williams at SWTGLaw.com. All right. Got it. Great. So we've done all that. Uh wanted to introduce my frat. Uh, what's up, Ty? How you going, brother? How do you feel? That? You like that song? True? Yeah, yeah man. That's, uh, I, I got it. It's either like late 80s or very early 90s. Yeah. But that definitely takes you back. You know, it reminds me that those same days was Troop and Cory Booker and yeah. that whole little, you know, era. But all good music. Uh, I wish the music we have today to listen to was <laughs> as quality. But, you know, that's why we go back and, and replay those old ones. Definitely, man. I want to put you in that spirit, bro. So I want to introduce the, um, to the introduce you to the podcast audience. Um, it's Ty Delavadale. I Delavadale. How do I say? I always say your name. Delavadale. 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 Yeah, I always man. say your. Hey, it's okay. I butcher it all the time. You won't be the first or the last. Okay. So you are the founder of Deuce yes. Premium. Well, I'll let you go ahead and give your own spiel. Deuce is a golf and lifestyle brand. Yeah. And we design and manufacture golf accessories from yeah. golf hats, golf belts, gloves. Uh, we also manufacture some lifestyle accessories, uh, mostly in the cigar space. Mm-hmm. So we actually manufacture cigar torches and lighters. Mm-hmm. Um Leather pouches as well as humidors, and then we also make these these uh, luxury weekend travel bags that we call the Weekender mm. that are made in Morocco, hand stitched in Morocco. Hand stitched in Morocco, 
You know what it reminds me of? Um, what's that that uh, movie? Uh, American Gangster, and then uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Denzel. He says, uh, "You know, it's alpaca. You can't, you can't, okay, block that. You got to block that shit." <laughs> Hey, look, man! When you got something that's you, like you, you know, yeah, you got to protect it. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, so this but, leather is is supple. So you know, don't spill nothing on it. Don't spill. But if you spill it, you got to blot it, right? Yeah, you got to <laughs> blot it, or you have to take um, like a, like a vegetable oil or something, and yeah. then use a sponge just because it's leather, so yeah. skin, just like you with something on your skin. You, you know, you just put some lotion on it, so yeah. it's similar. Yeah, but yeah, that's dope, man. Um, so. The reason I brought you on because you were just featured in Forbes magazine. I was. That's pretty dope. <laughs> um, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, man. Um, I think it was fascinating because I think they mentioned that there's not a lot of black premium brands in golf in the golf space, like as far as even in the textile industry or just anything, right? It's no, just it's very. It's a very singular, small, small group of business. How many? And I guess what I didn't even need to tell a percentage, but it's a handful. You would say of black-owned businesses. Yeah, I want to say that's tough because I, I I want to be inclusive of everyone. Yeah, I would say it's maybe like fourteen, but some of eighty percent of those are, you know, I got a full-time job and I'm doing this on the side. Yeah, versus the other twenty percent are this is just like this is my day to day. Yeah, I wake up and go to sleep to this thing. I don't have a job to be at at nine and check out at five. Yeah, and start all over again. And you earn the latter, not the former. You are literally this is what you do. I've been in the golf business as an entrepreneur for twelve years. Yeah, like that's been my sole job. Mm-hmm. Let's let's actually before we get into do some what it is and how you've got into that business. Let's go into your history a little bit of how you actually got to this space. You know. It doesn't always start off at Forbes magazine, so there has to be a, a story, right? Like, how did you get there? It was a Tuesday. It was June 9th, oh, 8 o'clock. Um, <laughs> but that's, honestly, it started that way. And I was on a conference call, and it was a one-week conference call. It was about 300 employees from McGraw Hill Publishing Company, and they basically laid off 300 people on a conference call. Hmm. And you couldn't say anything. Uh, you just had to listen. And, you know, just yell at your windshield. Uh, and I knew I got laid off. I was the number one rep for the company. And uh, I was, 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 honestly, it was depressing. But at that time, I didn't realize I used what I, what I say now was I was fortunately laid off. Mm-hmm. Because not many people can say that. Some people say I was, you know, I was unfortunately let off. You know, I got, got let go. But it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what started everything. I was let go from a company. I lived in Maryland. And then my wife at the time, literally that week on that Tuesday, I told her we got laid off. And on Friday, we were on airplanes flying to Florida to find a new house. Wow. That quick. She was wow. like, we out. We out. Yeah. <laughs> she just needed an excuse. Yeah. For us to move to Florida. Yeah, so, she was trying to get out the cold anyway. Yeah, she had what they call SAD, seasonal yeah. affective disorder. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard of that. It's a real thing. Really? Yeah, I think gloomy skies, gray clouds all day. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, your vibe is different. You know, people in the islands have a different kind of a vibe. They're always smiling. You know, it's, it's different. But Florida, same way. You wake up, palm trees, 
blue skies. So yeah. Um. So, all right. So you you literally got a call, and that was it. No yeah. more. No more job. No more selling books. No more selling books. You know. And I think that's really one of the things, like, you're at the whims of an employer. When you're working for somebody, you know, they can decide one day, whether it's a small company or a large company like McGraw-Hill, like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. And then your finances are tied into the whims of how that company's going or your boss. Your boss can wake up with a shitty attitude and be like, all right, it's been real. It ain't been that real, though. Yeah. Take care. Um, And I've actually, I grew up, like I said, with just in the entrepreneurial space and I would tell, I've never, never really had a real job. I've had, I've had jobs. A real job. <laughs> I've had jobs before, but, and I'm, I'm being facetious here. Um, but it never took, you know, because my grandparents were small business owners and obviously my mom was a small business or my parents rather small business owner. And so, you know, when you grow up with that type of mentality, it's kind of like you're working for somebody, but you're kind of always like, I just don't see it here. You know, it's like, I didn't, I didn't, I never bought into the corporate space to, you know, my wife, she works in a corporate America and she, you know, it's a, it's a different environment. I just don't understand it a lot of times. Some people love it. I, Some I, people they are, thrive. They are, they are, this is, this is who I am. They thrive in it. I was an entrepreneur in high school. I had three businesses in high school. Yeah. Everybody doesn't know that, but this is not new to me. Yeah. You know, I sold baseball hats. I sold sweatshirts in high school. And then in, when I was a teacher in elementary, I was teaching, I had my own tutoring company. Where I had four buddies, and we all tutored kids on the side to make money because teaching doesn't pay. So it's funny you say that because in high school, I was selling pagers. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I, we were, it was, Sky pagers? Sky pagers, bro. We were actually, it was actually kind of illegal. Not kind of, it was. We were, they were, <sighs> It's it's statute of limitations. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so <laughs> fifteen years. Yeah, we were we were boosting pagers and then we were selling it to people. Hey, you know. So I had always had a hustler's mentality. mentality. Yeah, and so I um little little uh, fun fact people find out about me. Yeah, but I you know I was selling. I, I listen. I was trying to sell whatever, you know, and um I just I always took to always trying to create income for myself and not try to rely on my mom's like get a summer job i was like no i'm gonna sell pagers i didn't tell her that she just <laughs> she know what the thing is she didn't she she never asked questions and uh, because she it wasn't drugs right but she was like <laughs> where are you getting this money from like and i just was like oh you know i just <laughs> i just like oh, uh, i'm selling cheetos yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> You know, flipping Cheetos. Yeah, flipping Cheetos. You know, so you know, um, and then she opened up a business, and I started working there, and that that that's where I got uh, money. But again, before all that, right. I was always had a different spirit of trying to create, and um, I just think it's like something that's inherent within us, you know. And but it's it can be a learned trait too. But like my mom was corporate America; she was in HR. Yeah. You know, she never had side hustles, and she just worked hard. Yeah, she just—I just saw the work ethic in her, and I just said, "I have to, you know, I have to match that at some point, or be better than." Yeah, and she didn't. She wasn't an entrepreneur. You know, the, my entrepreneurial, you know, fibers 
came from just being from a kid on the south side of Chicago watching people hustle. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's that was the mentality and the culture in Chicago on the south side. Yeah. Everybody's hustling, trying to do something. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. So, let's walk into what was your first entrepreneurial venture outside of selling hats in high school and <laughs> uh, in your adult life? In my adult life? Yeah. Um, so when I got laid off, I was fighting to get jobs in corporate America, getting back into corporate America. And I got a few offers and they were just paying so low compared to what I was accustomed to. Yeah. And I didn't, I felt like I was lowering my standards just to get a job. Plus another little fun fact, uh, you know, Kamara, you introduced me as Ty, but my birth name is Yusef Tariq, the Lavalad. Yeah. yeah. So applying for corporate jobs oh, yeah, post nine eleven. Oh, I know. Ezekwe, yeah. you know. I know. <laughs> uh, it is not. It wasn't easy. I, yeah. So I changed my name, uh, not legally, but just on paper to tie. Oh. Uh, and so that was the only. So I changed that. For other reasons, but main reason was to apply for jobs because I was getting rejected within 30 minutes of applying online. Absolutely. And I knew it was something else. It wasn't just my skill set or yeah. my, my numbers. Yeah. But to answer your question as quickly as possible. No, is, take your time. It's cool. Is that that company came because I, I'm a golfer. Yeah. I planned golf trips with the fellas. We traveled to Scottsdale and Florida from Maryland, and everyone loved my the way I put it together. Yeah. And then my wife at the time said, look, why don't you just become like, why don't you do golf events? Yeah. Um, golf events, meaning like golf tournaments, because yeah. I actually planned Barack Obama's inaugural uh, golf tournament. It was called swing for change Wow. Uh, in Maryland. So it was in 2007, right before you announced. Yep. And then, I planned that, and it was a huge success. And everybody was like, wow, this is great. This is your first time doing it? I'm like, no, I've done others. But but then she said, you need to use your skill set and your marketing prowess in uh, your relationships to actually benefit the family in a different way than you've doing, done it before. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, what do I do? So she said, start a golf traveling business, plan golf trips with people, and plan golf events. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And I called it My Golf Concierge. Yeah. And I rebranded that company three times over 12 years. Because mm -hmm. after a certain amount of years, people get tired. They booked with you a bunch of times and you got to change things up a little bit, you yeah. know, shift done in Bradstreet, you know, done, they, you know, you got to, you got to fool them every once in a while too. Yeah. But we rebranded it about three times, but it's called My Golf Concierge. And all we did, we planned golf trips and vacations for families, friends, and corporate, yeah. corporate America. Yeah. I um, I, I remember that business and number one, I never did. I've never done a golf trip, you know. I, I don't play golf. Yeah, right. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't. I know. Oh. I mean, not like that. I mean, but did you come out to? No, no. You didn't come out to the frat. I haven't. Golf, I haven't little... played golf in like fifteen, sixteen years. Oh wow! I, I have did. a I have a pair of golf clubs. I just don't. Oh, then that means they're also old. They're super old, bro. I'm afraid to look at the brand on those. I don't even know what the brand are. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it was it, okay. They were to tell you how janky they. They're like off. 
Uh, remember the Tiger Woods golf clubs? Yeah. And they're like those. And you remember when they used to do the off brand? The bootleg joints. Bootleg joints, because I wasn't going to spend any money. <laughs> uh, and so, like, they literally was like, it's the same technology as the Tiger yeah, Woods. And then, yes. uh, you know, it's only 100 bucks. I was like, all right. You know, so I bought a whole set for a hundred bucks. Bag and putter and everything, probably not the bag. Oh, okay, I got the bag. bag. I got the bag at a at a used <laughs> at a um, a thrift shop. My first golf set of golf clubs as an adult, I got them from a pawn shop. The morning of my round of golf, oh, I yeah. was heading to the golf course, went to the pawn shop, grabbed the bag, and went <laughs> straight to the course. Had yeah. never, you know, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm not. I say all that to say I'm not in the golf world. Not 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 in the traditional way, no. At all, or, or not traditional way. <laughs> At all, I'm not in the golf world. I don't. I don't. I and then you know I have friends who invite me to go play golf, and I say no. Nah, I don't want to. I just it. I really feel like I tell people like you don't want me playing golf with you because I'm going to slow you down and it's just going to be a bad a bad day at the golf course. Because I'm not going to know where my ball's at, and it's just going to be like, why did we bring him along? Depends on who you're playing with, but yeah, yeah. But when I did used to play, I there was a span I used to play um, early on, and because I t- took golf lessons, and I still have my, I still have a de- uh, okay, like fo- like I can swing. Mm-hmm. But when I was really, I was really, I was pretty good at one point, um, because I wouldn't, hit, I'd make sure I'd hit anything under 100 yards. <laughs> like I was that type of I was an old woman golfer You know those type of golfers Like That's, that's good We call it senior golf Yeah like it, 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 went, it didn't go far But it went straight Yeah Exactly And I was I would play it like that Pitch and wedge the whole way in Pitch and wedge the entire way in That's scary And then so But I would be I would <laughs> I would be dead on Like every time Yeah cause cats be trying to swing out their shoes And they're off in the woods And they're trying to find their ball In the middle of the fairway Yeah you just got a couple more shots left, but it doesn't matter. They're still trying to get out of the woods. Right. And so. my thing was, like, I'll hit it 90 yards, 90 yards, 90 yards, and I'll, I'll be there, you know. doesn't matter how you get there. It's how you get there. It's how you get there. As long as you get there. Yeah, right. But, I, again, that was, like, a long, long time ago. But, anyway, I say all that to say, I never really took part of your golf concierge um, trip thing, but it always looked fun. And, you know, you travel around the world, right? You had them. I've, I've been to China Alaska, Canada, California, Spain, mm-hmm. Germany, France. What's the best golf course you've ever been to? <sighs> That's tough. Um, and there's two. Okay. One is uh, Punta Espada in Dominican Republic. Okay. And the other one is uh, Shandu Dunes in Hainan, China. You okay. would... And I took pictures there, and we and I was posting them on Instagram and Facebook. People thought I was in Hawaii or somewhere. I'm like, no, I'm in China. We're literally playing on the ocean. Really? And yeah, it was amazing. Everybody, and that's because I, I was for, very fortunate that I was able to take seven friends to China for eleven days, ten nights, for all expenses paid. Uh, golf, basically. How did that happen? <laughs> the government of China and Hainan uh, hired me. To bring golfers to the island so they can showcase and, and show other people how this is a great destination for golfers. Oh, wow. So they just paid for our flights, our hotel, uh, train, food, tour, tours, you name it. Wow. We didn't lift a finger and we didn't spend very much money at all except to go do street shopping. Wow. That was it. But it was pretty dope. 
Wow. I wish I was your friend back then. <laughs> Next time you get some someone from China or whatever foreign government wants to do, put me on that list. Yeah, it's called a fam trip, familiarization yeah. trip. But yeah, no. But I asked a bunch of folks, but it was like who could take eleven days, twelve days off from the, whatever their job is and go. Oh wow! Go discover China. And everybody's like, no, I can't do that, man. I got a corporate job. Oh yeah, and this is why you should have being entrepreneurs. You can uh, yeah. just take off for like twelve days and be like, I don't get this opportunity. I'm an entrepreneur and nobody's presented me. If you listen to this podcast and anybody ever has an opportunity to go to a foreign country holla and at me. holla at me, I can literally, I'm the boss. I can take off 12 days. All right. My wife may not like it, but I'll deal with that when I get back. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, the girls, they'll still love daddy. That's, that's what FaceTime is for. Yeah, that's what FaceTime is. Right. That's right. That's right. So, um, all right. So you did golf concierge. Yes. And, you know, what were the... The, you told me about the successes. What were the failures in that? Oh wow, that's a long list. Unfortunately, but I talk. I spoke to someone recently, and he said that if you haven't failed in two businesses, then don't come to me asking for capital. Mm. And I was like, well, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I checked that box. But I, failure is is a soft word because. Failure is based on certain people's expectations or your expectations of what exactly the outcome was mm -hmm. or why the company didn't move in the direction that you helped it was moving. So with my golf concierge, I would say not having a solid business plan out the gate. Mm. I, I just, you know, the like run, like running track. Got up to the thing, you know, you're paying attention, and then the gun goes off, and you're like, I got to go. Um, and so at that point, I had time to build it, but I had never been in the tourism or hospitality industry, so I really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I was calling around and people asking competitors, you know, so how do I do this? So how do you build this? How do you, how do these relationships happen? But I did it organically. I literally, for the first six to eight months of starting the company, I just took all my money and just hopped on airplanes. Like every week I was in a different destination. I was flying to Scottsdale and Myrtle beach and California and, um, everywhere possible. So I can go and experience the places where I wanted to sell so that my consumer base and friends yeah. can say, wow, he's been there. So he must know, uh, what it looks like. But I would say one of the things I wish I had done differently, but, in one way, I wish I, I wouldn't change it. I hired friends. Mm. Um, I had friends who got laid off, friends who didn't have jobs, people who I met. You know, well, I wasn't the SBCA, <laughs> but I hired friends. And sometimes that's tough because you have expectations and they're, you know, they say, oh, but come on, you know, come on, Ty. You know, I'll, I'll be in at 10 o'clock. They're like, man, we got stuff to do. Right. You know, got to be here at 9. Right, I need you. In fact, if you if you bout it, I need you here at eight thirty. How about that? And bring donuts. Yeah, you know. Um, so, on the business side, I should have paid more attention to uh, to the money. Should have had a better plan, better bookkeeping, um, then. Um, and to be fair, that was it. Tracking, you know. But and you're in the travel space. You're just hustling. You're trying to find customers where you can. Always looking at the next customer. You know, but yeah. it's but where I, 
I didn't take care of my my consumer base. I I spent I, I felt that I thought they would just come back because they had a great time. Yeah. But that wasn't always the case. Uh and so I was always chasing new. Yeah. So I spent part of my time trying to maintain relationships from previous trips and then also chasing obviously cuz everyone needing new customers. Yeah. But I didn't take care of my base to make sure that they were repeat customers. But um, and I trusted employees to do that for me when me being the boss, that should have been me trying to make sure that I did that versus me uh, tasking them with that that um, endeavor. So there's a lot to, lot to mind from this. Number one, I love that, you know, if you haven't failed at least twice, don't come asking for capital. I want to we can I want to get into that in a moment. Um, but. Um, so. But the thought process of being a boss and hiring your friends, and it's weird because you, you you have to go through that. Like, when it comes to friendships, it has to go out the door. Like, it has to go out the door, and it's a, that's a hard thing to like really accept. Um, initially, because everybody, especially if you're a decent person, everybody wants to, uh, you know, help out somebody. Right. But then you realize, like, I can't even like when you're. For me, I, I'm a service-based business, and I ha- can't give discounts to people, you know, because I, I eat. and But you want to help friend. You're like, oh, give me the friend discount. But it's like, I can't, man. I got to eat. I got to eat. Like, I can't. I have, I have, you know, overhead. I have home base. Like, I can't <coughs> just give you a discount just for, the fa- sa- uh, just for the sake of giving you a discount. Right. You know, I would love to. I really, would. I really, really, really would love to. Blame it on your wife. Look, you know. my wife says I can't, you know. I mean, but it shouldn't even come down to that because you wouldn't go into another business. Right. Sorry. No, you're fine. You wouldn't go into another business and um, tell them that, hey, you know, I, I wanted to support your business, but I liked your Facebook post. So can you give me a discount? Like, you know, like I liked your Facebook page. Oh, the worst is, hey, man, I want to support your business. Send me a hat. I'm like that. What? Um, how does that work? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a rocket when I go to the game, you know. And the people gonna support me by buying a twenty eight dollar hat. Yeah. Waiting three days to the garage to your door. Yeah. And buy it in enough time that you know it's not last minute. Yeah. And rock it at the same place and be proud that like I look, I supported him. I bought the hat. I paid for it my own. I didn't ask for any free. You know, I've had people say, "I want to support you, but I'm gonna wait till the discount." Sale to the sale goes off. Oh God, black people! No, no, no. That's a blessing. The the point was, I don't want a discount. Okay. I want to pay full price. Okay. I'm like, respect. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I interrupted that. They're like, they don't want to support you. They don't want to pay full full freight. No, they want. Well, now there are some that I've known for way too long, and okay. they're like, I'm waiting on a sale. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. That's what I, that's what I thought you were saying. Well, that 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 goes. It's fast fifty fifty. Like ninety ten, <laughs> <laughs> the the ninety is the when you have your next sale. The other ten percent is look, I want to buy a bag. I right. don't want any discounts. I want to pay full freight. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, I respect that mm-hmm. because they know the grind. You know, an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, you know, I'll give you the, you know, and they're like, no, you know. But at a point when the business starts growing, like this is the price. Yeah, you got a rate. Yeah. I came to you one day and I was like, I need some, you like, this is the rate, Tariq. Yeah. I was like, damn, I can't afford that. 
<laughs> but I was like, all right, so I got to figure this out. Yeah. But I think when people respect you when you're firm in your mm-hmm. in your business practices and like this is what my rate is. Right. Um I don't give discounts or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes you're getting started, you need to you need to get out there and say, "Look, I've already worked with these people. I these people have my products." Um and that's part of what we're dealing with right now growing yeah. the golf business is because people will say who don't look like us, well, where else are you? Yeah. And that's that's your confirmation. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening now is golf courses are asking, what other golf courses are you working with? What other golf courses have your hats, belts, gloves? What other s- stores are you in? Yeah. Like, I'm in a PGA Superstore. What? Right. Oh, word. Yeah, and like, oh, okay. Well, unless I'm good enough for them, I should be good enough for you. So, so it's fascinating, right? Because it's like, it's almost like they have to whomever. Um, it's your affiliation that gives you affirmation or validation. Your validation, right? Right. And so, people are funny like that because rather than look at your the the value of the product for what it is, you're like, well, who else is rocking it? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see any celebrities rocking your stuff, so it must not be that. Dope. It must not be that great, right? And it's like we're so caught up in in the appeal of what other people are doing that we don't look at like, do I like it? Is it rock for me? Does it work for me? You know, we can't think outside the space of affiliation. That's just life. Mm-hmm. We often can't. It's hard. Like, oh, who else listened that that song? If you don't, oh, someone else listened that song, then I got to listen to that song. Mm-hmm. You know, like who else is eating at that restaurant? Oh, someone else eating a restaurant. I definitely have to go. You know, it's like rather than let, let me just do, let me do that. Like, oh, so and so visits. It's a voyeur thing. Voyeurism. We <laughs> we we post our vacations and said so I saw so and so on this on this vacation. I want to go there. What hotel was it? What hotel? Because they're looking at your Insta, IG feed and yeah. hoping that you you tag the resort. Oh, so then they stay. can do it. And then right. And it's like, and then maybe one up you if they could try, right? But it's like really weird. I find it weird because I never do that. But it's like, I was just, I just came from a vacation, and people were like, "Where are you at?" Like, if I would have posted where I was at, then you would have known where I was at, right? Like, you know what I mean? I didn't, which I didn't, you know. And so it's like, you know, it's like, why? I mean, I post after I get back, so you ain't looking at, you know. Well, even that, I, I just don't understand it. Like, I don't understand the concept or the weird place of people wanting to be where somebody else is at like it's cool but it's like like to your point like i'm i want to i want to go where you're at i want to be where you're at and it's like no why don't you discover something else because that's how i did i didn't i didn't when i came found this place i didn't like oh so-and-so's there so let me go ahead and do the same thing well let me say it this way. That's probably a mentality thing, though. It's a mentality thing, but also there's consumer versus business. Right. As a business owner, I want you to feel that way. Yeah. I want you to say, oh, man, that's dope. Where'd you, where you? What golf course is that? Yeah. How'd you book that? Yeah. Who'd right. you book it through? I get it. And I was like, and then I want him to say or her to say, oh, I called Ty over there at yeah. Oceanside. Yeah. Give him a buzz. Dope trips. Fair enough. That's his thing. He's a... He's a curator of fine golfications, right? Whatever that means, but that's what I—that was my my hope. And right now, you know, when I started the business, when you when you look at the sales and the orders come in, and 
it's great to see people who you know yeah. name, but then I was at a point where I was like, I don't want to see Kamara Williams on my Shopify. I, you know, love you, but I appreciate the 20, but I want to see people who I don't know. Yeah. Cause that's, that's not, now I'm going beyond my network. Yeah. Your my circle. circle of friends. Yeah. Um, and I'm at a point now where I got to be honest with you and say that 95% of our sales are people who I don't know. And that's great. And that's a great feeling. Yeah. That means somebody's finding you some, somehow, some way. Yeah. I say with this podcast, when I really, really, really blow, it's going to be because of a network of people I don't have any direct connection to outside of the fact they dislike the product, you know? And then <laughs> when it comes to the people in my ner- network who are not listening to the podcast, <laughs> um, and there are a lot, they're going to discover it through the external audience because everybody is going to be like, oh, so so-and-so's podcast is blowing. Like, well, I know him. Let me see what they're talking about. But that's how it is like in the go, right? They'll be like, you have your circle of friends and then they're not really rocking with you. And then I guarantee after the Forbes thing, they're like, oh, okay, well now let me see. Man, I, dude, Forbes. Yeah. I, I saw orders of people. I was like this. I've had this business for two years. You yeah. just now ordering a hat. Yeah. But you know what? Fine. That's cool. Whatever. Right. Order the hat. Right. You know, I appreciate it. But, we, and I don't know, it's not even just our culture. It's just culture. We, we, you have to be, once you've been validated by someone else, yeah. a much a larger entity, a Forbes, an Entrepreneur Magazine, an Inc., or something even smaller. You know, it could be Orlando Sentinel. Yeah. You know, the Business Journal. Just somebody else repping you or bragging on you versus yourself. And to be fair... You know, uh, it's a good it's a good feeling on certain days, but then certain days you're like, did I have to get that for you to finally support the business? Yeah. But that's that's life. Yeah. Like you know, well, uh, somebody tagged me one day. There was a guy from Goody Mob rocking a deuce hat on vacation. I was like, how did the dude from Goody Mob get a deuce hat? But I didn't know those guys' names. Right. I'm not a Dungeon family. I'm a fan, but not a fan fan where I'm going to know his government name to know who bought one. But he was on vacation in Dominican Republic doing selfies, doing FaceTime. But, I mean, it's Steve Harvey rocking a hat. Um, Mm. Chris Tucker. There's just opportunities. But, again, when Steve, Steve, you know, Steve Harvey rocks a deuce hat and the world goes wild. Yeah. Oh, yo, you doing it? Steve grabbed a hat and was like, I like this better than the hat I got on. Yeah. He just put it on and wore it for the whole day. Yeah. That was a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That don't happen to everybody. Yeah. And he told me, he was like, I don't wear everybody's shit. Yeah. He said, he said, if I see it. I like it. I wear it. Yeah. But he said, I've, I've passed on many people. He said, people trying to push their products on me every day. Yeah. And I just... I just, I just said, oh, that's nice. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, but it's as you, as you grow and as you start checking boxes and your consumer base or the audience that you're hoping to, to get the attention of, they start seeing certain people wearing your stuff, mm-hmm. whether it be, smoking a cigar with your lighter or wearing a hat 
or playing golf with your glove on. Um, it's a respect thing. Yeah. And then, and like, he's doing well. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've gotten the attention of some, you know, hedge funds, you know, capital people, like, just because of the Forbes thing. Yeah. Because that's what happens. Yeah. Nobody, banks don't loan money to people who are what? You know, they loan money to people who got money. They, they loan it to success. Yeah, yeah, they they loan banks loan money to people with money, not people who are struggling. Yeah, for a reason because they're like, well, this money is gonna be gone. Right. We want to know that you have a you have foundation and you have some invoices coming in. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the person who financed you and they, that statement they made about you have to. They want to see you fail a couple times. Don't come to me unless you failed a couple times. There's beauty in failure. When I ran track and long, long time ago, um, my coach said to me, I, I got blown out. And he said, um, I was really, my head, I was hanging my head low. And he said, why are you sad? I said, man, I just got killed. He said, it's good. Chin <laughs> like, up. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> he, was like uh, he said, number one, um, you're not training hard enough. So I'm kind of glad you lost, you know, but number two, uh, you need to see that there are levels and it's going to, it's going to push you to say, okay, I need to do something different. Because if he said, uh, he said, I would have been upset if you would have won and you have bad habits because that would have sent you the wrong message and you would have not acknowledged any of the, the wrong things you're doing because you won. My 17-year-old needs to hear that. <laughs> I'm going to play that exact little quote you just gave <laughs> Yeah. And so losing forces you to acknowledge your bad habits. Losing in life, losing in relationships, losing in friendships, losing in business. Mm -hmm. And when you lose, you know, you're supposed to, uh, you're, you're supposed to acknowledge how you lost and the why, you know. Not just what. The what is what happened. I lost. Yeah. Right, but how? That's the emotion. Yeah. The emotional part of it is what is hard for people to be able to accept. Get past the what. Like, I just, well, what, what happened? I lost. I lost my marriage. It happened. All right, next. Next. <laughs> All right. You know, like, oh, I lost my, you know, falling out with a friendship. That was, that was a what. But how did it get there? And why did it get there? Yeah. And when did it get there? When was the, the thing? And did you acknowledge when it happened and decide to just, you know, wash your hands of it or right. try to fix it? Right. So, spoken like someone who's been divorced. Twice. <laughs> <coughs> so, um, but we're still Facebook friends. Still Facebook friends with them, so it's okay. Okay. All right. That's a big thing because some folks just yeah, that's true. write each other off. That's true. But, yeah, so I, I, I think losing is important. Um, I was actually thinking of a joke. It's a Dave Chappelle joke. but Chappelle show. Um, he says, when you lose, don't lose the lesson. His holding to Dalai Lama. He makes a joke about it. It's a joke. People who fan of the Dave Chappelle show, they'll laugh. But you know, you're like, okay, that went right over Ty's I, head. I missed it. That went over it. Ty's head. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> in all seriousness, though, I, so when he said that to you, that losing, you know, don't 
lost twice or you know lost money twice um i think there's something to be mined from that and he's saying that because you've you've now gone through the doldrums of losing money so when i invest in you you're not going to try to lose money again because you've already lost money yeah you know so if you haven't lost money why would i invest money into you because you don't know what you're going to do wrong you're just going to blow my money but right. now that you've done it twice you're going to be a little bit more because you realize this opportunity is hard to get money and you can realize it's a, I have to nail it and I'm not going to make the same dumb mistakes, you know, and create the same bad habits that I did prior to. Am I right about that? 100%. Okay. You know, you want to mind, you want to get, you want to go, <laughs> you want to. <laughs> that's a, that's a real serious face there, 100%. Yeah. I mean, when you, you've been there, I mean, I've, when you, when you've been there, it's tough. And at the end of the day, you have to be totally accountable for your actions, what you what you did or did not do, mm-hmm. um, what you could have done more of or less of, and who you could have listened to when you're being hard-headed. Because a lot of times we hear things from people and we're like, ugh, I don't want to do that. But you know it's something that you have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, like parent. But sometimes that voice is, comes from, Someone who's no longer with you on this earth, and it's just that little whisper in your ear, and you can listen or you can hear it. Sometimes you hear things like that, but if you're listening to friends, people who are uh, much more, you know, successful than you, yeah, um, you know, there's tidbits. And so, one thing that I've always said is, I've never looked at. And I'm from Chicago, so we say Michael Jordan is our hero, our role model. You know, that was. A thing, but I never looked to people who I couldn't really touch as a role model. Yeah, my friends, my associates were my role models. People who I can go go sit down with, uh, would be a frat brother or a mentor, someone I could touch, someone I could pick up the phone, someone I could go to have breakfast with. Those are you know people who are my I consider as role models for me because they've done it. Yeah, they've built things, they've torn things down, built them back up again. Um, and sometimes those are the best civil engineers, those who take um, a radio, break it apart to pieces, and then put it back together somehow. Yeah. Like that's not, you know, there's people who thrive in that because that's part of their the way their mind works. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have learned is that I, I listen more, talk less, and I am say that twice. <laughs> listen more. Talk I listen less. more and talk talk less. And he said that on the podcast, which is really funny. <laughs> Irony. <laughs> yeah, but part of that is 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 just and after it's whatever it's said is to take it in. Yeah, and not just move on to the next thing mm-hmm. because you could lose the message in the in the message. Um, but I'm I'm still learning. You know, this is a, I'm just getting started. I've hit some, I've skipped a lot of steps. Such as? There's some companies who have been in business for 20 years who haven't touched Ink Entrepreneur, Forbes Magazine. Yeah. Um, But just because you're on Forbes Magazine doesn't mean you have two commas in your bank account either. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, you got, you're fortunate somebody loved your story. Yeah. You know, uh, but what it does is it puts you at a platform where people are now paying attention. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessing. Um, you said something very key. 
absorption. So a lot of times we listen to something and we're like, all right, we move on. And I try and I try and I try to listen to people and I try to absorb what they're saying. Absorb anything I'm listening, anything I'm doing when I was in an interview or something, I'm trying to absorb like what's really happening. So Hillary Swank had this one, she had this great line when she was doing Million Dollar Baby. And um, there's a scene where Morgan Freeman is just, he's talking. And she said, that's really what's an important scene for me. And the interviewer said, why? She said, because I wanted to just be silent and still and look like I'm absorbing everything he's saying. And my body had to look like I was pulled in to what he was saying. And sometimes when we are in a conversation with somebody, you know, we could look like our eyes that were looking, but our... (laughs) But our body and our spirit is not right. absorbing right. what's being said and being fully. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. Fully too. all in. Yeah, I'm fully all in. And so we do that as a lot as humankind. It's, it's one of the things I want to teach my daughters how to absorb and listen to something. Because I tell them all the time, you heard me, but you're not listening to me. <laughs> you know, and but I but, you know, there's going to be a lesson one day that I want you to absorb. How do you absorb? How do you focus, dial in? And really listen intently on what somebody's saying and, and, and bring it in, right? Um, so when you say, you know, listen more, talk less, um, that's, a, that's an important lesson, not just for business, but just in life. You know, relationships too, listen more, talk less. Um, I was about to go into, I was going to go into a whole dalliance about relationships because I could talk forever 10 years married by the way and um you know something that I and and listen I have a work wife and a real wife Mm -hmm. my work wife and and sometimes I'll say because I take a long time to get to my subject statement (laughs) and they want to like duh right and then so they'll yeah they'll be like come on come on come on and they'll be like interrupt me I was like you you can't interrupt me so my therapist says that I gotta get your fist bump because I'm just, I'm the same way, man. I'm like, but I'm I'm talking, yeah. I'm trying to get my, it's gonna take. I'm gonna get there, yeah. Just be patient. You yeah. know, this is me, right? You know, just, but they're like, give me the headlines, and I'm like, but I'm not a headline guy. I'm not a headline guy. I'm read the body of the story, you know. And so my therapist said that's good, but sometimes it's 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 not great for people who need broad strokes and need to understand where you're going. And for me, um. I have to get to the details of a story and give you a background and a background and in a context and subcontext. And, and then I can tell you what exactly is happening. And, but after you're done talking to me, you're going to have like, I get it. You know, if you just gave me a chance to finish, if you just would have given me a chance to finish, I would have gotten there for you, you know? (laughs) And so (laughs) this is my life. uh, So, (laughs) but I mean, that's literally, and then, I mean, this podcast offers an avenue for me to do that um, in order for me to get to where I need to get to in a conversation. The long way. Yes, I could have taken I-4, but no. No, <laughs> we're going to take the scenic route. We're going to head I drive and hit all these stoplights first. Yeah, you know. So um, let's talk about how does one find capital for their business? Oh, boy. Um, finding capital is interesting I've been, I was successful once, and that one success put me on a path to where I am today. And that's just one person 
uh, who just who saw something special in the business. We met on accident, but on but on purpose, by accident, but on purpose. Um, I just launched a company, and within a week of launching the company, had cigars with some friends, and he happened to be there. And I hadn't met him before. I met him before when we were teenagers in Chicago. But now we're in Orlando. Small world. 20-something years later. And he's just sitting right there and meeting all the same friends at, same, at high school together, competing at the same baseball games, same birthday parties. And we just immediately had uh, a relationship immediately. And um, real good brother. He watched me, paid attention to me, and there was an opportunity for me to get some capital. And I went to him, and I said, what do you think about this? He was like, bad deal. And I was like, but I need the money. He was like, bad deal. Don't take it. Why was it a bad deal? The way it was structured. Yeah. It was structured painfully. It was, we'll give you money based on need, based on what we feel like giving it to you, but we want 35% of your company. Mm. I was like, well, shit. Some bad, like some real Shark Tank thing, Shark yeah. Tank yeah. shit. Like, yeah, it was like, you know, and then they determine when I get, you know, infusions of cash, not when, like, I'm like, but we need, you know, it wasn't just here's money, it was a push and pull. Yeah. So, a complicated line of credit, and he said bad deal, and I was like, all right, fine. I hated it. Why did you Why did you go to him to? What made you ask him? His opinion. Um, without saying who he was or who he is, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, his his business has done very very well. Okay. Having three offices, four offices actually across the U.S. Yeah. Um, getting awards, being on TV. I was like, this guy's right. obviously doing pretty well, better than I'm doing right now. Right. But I was only two months into the company, right. so what do I? You know, I'm still trying to figure this thing out. Right. Um, but went to him and went to an attorney and they both said bad deal. So a businessman said bad deal. Who's an entrepreneur and attorney who's in business, business attorney said bad deal. So I said, all right, fine. And they both are, you know, friends of mine. So they're both like, look, I don't want you to go down this long road cause then you can't get back out. Mm-hmm. And two months later, I got to a point where, mm-hmm. Yeah, about two months later, I I knew I needed cash. I had sold out of all my product. I had maybe 10% left of product left, but I didn't have more capital to go get more. Right. And I decided that I needed to do some, needed to raise some capital my, my own way. So instead of me using Indiegogo or Kickstarter, uh, I have many talents. One of them is building websites. I built a website, which was a, you know, uh, capital, you know, fundraiser. So I had, I built my own Indiegogo basically and sent it out to friends and associates who I know who were, uh, were the consumers or people who bought stuff from me. And five or six said, here's, here's some money. And cause they, they believed in it. And then I, I gave it to him. And then his, his, his question was, how much do you need? How much do you want? So well, this is, what I need and this is what I want. He was like, well, I'll meet you in between. He said, give me 30 days. He looked me in the eye and said, I got you. 
and it wasn't me going to some bank because mm-hmm. my credit was eight eight hundred and something like that. And banks were like, "Ooh, here." That wasn't it. I knew I wasn't going to get money that way. Right. I knew I was going to have to get money the old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. And he came in and said, "Here." And then I scaled the company literally from golf gloves, added hats, belts, T-shirts, cigar accessories, travel bags, and lighters with that money. If I did not have had, if I would not have had that money, if he would not have loaned that money, given as a loan, I would not have been able to scale that fast. Mm-hmm. I would still be, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, to be fair. Right. And it was, this was March of COVID. Mm. I own a golf travel business. Right. At that point, nobody's booking travel. Right. I got in the water. I got to be very honest with you without tearing up and say, I could very well be homeless. Wow. If he didn't put infuse that cash into my, to my bank account for the business, I don't know what I'll be doing. I, I honestly don't know because a year and some change without being able to book book vacations. What the hell would I be doing? I'd be Home Depot. I'd be figuring something out. I'd be doing something. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it in me to not do anything, but right. uh, yeah. So he did that. I scaled the company and, and we just kept growing. And then he's infused, you know, well into the six figures into the company over the past year and a half. And it's kept us going and it's gotten to us to where we are now. Where now we're into 19 PGA Tour superstores, you know, over a couple dozen golf courses across the U.S. And now we're partnerships with Troon and Club Core, which are the largest golf management companies in the world. Yeah. And we're on our, we're on our way. But it takes one, it took one person. It, it wasn't a million dollars. It wasn't a half million dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just was enough. Right, to do what you needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to fire in my gut and the and the plan to execute. Some don't have that. Some have. Some don't have either or or both. Definitely don't have both. But he knew that I was ready to take that cash and do something phenomenal with it. Yeah. And he trusted me with it. Yeah. Um, that's a dope story. That's That's great, man. And uh, you wouldn't be the first person to tear up on a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Um, one thing I, I, I want to say, man, is that you mentioned how being in that space, it's like feast or famine. You're on the brink. And it's like your back is against the wall. You just got to swing. You got to swing. <laughs> you got to swing. We, it just keeps swinging. It's like Dory, Dora. Yeah. No, not Dora. What was it, Dory? And um, what was that the 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 movie with Nemo? She just said, "Keep on swimming." Oh, keep on. Uh, oh, uh, keep on swimming. Keep on swimming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's parent. That's the parent. That's the parent in me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, just keep swimming. Just, just keep, keep swimming. swimming. Just, just keep, keep swimming. Yeah. And that's honestly, sometimes you just gotta just keep swimming. You gotta keep flapping. So there's a, a great analogy: a shark never. Never swims backwards. Fact. So in order to, if you want to be a shark, you have to keep moving. They're always in perpetual motion or they stop, but they never swing, swim backwards. They don't know how to swim. Their, their bodies are not designed to swim backwards. What do they say about, what 
when we're as alphas, we're taught to what? You know, always, you know. Always alphas never ne- take ne- steps. Ne- never, never, no backward steps. No backward steps. Yeah. Alphas never take steps backwards. Yeah. Same way. Yeah. Same mindset. But you got to have a, to be an entrepreneur, you got to have shark mindset. Yeah. If not, you'll get eaten. Yeah. You know? And you can listen to those small voices in your, in your ears sometimes because someone told me lions don't turn around for cats, for meows. Lines don't turn around for meows. Yeah. Just keep like, okay, that I can't, I can't, I can't be bothered with that. Yeah. You know, I got bigger things to do here. Yeah. But yeah, no, man. Um, people see a fire in you if, and if you, you know, they can see it. Yeah. And it basically, a lot of the, in conversation. So let me ask you, what made you, what gave you the idea to like scale with like premium goods? Did you always have that in mind when you, when you start off with golf clubs, you're like, I want to develop, get into like um, trout weekender bags or things of that nature. Like, what was that thing, or was it, like, how did you get to that space? Um, mainly because I started same mindset when I was booking travel. People said, um, "Look, man, I want to support you. I want to go on some of these trips, but I don't play golf. Do you just do regular vacations?" Oh, yeah. I was like, "I can." Yeah. All right. Well. All right, so look, me and the wife want to go. Me and the homies want to go. It's our anniversary. Um, me and the bros, it's our 10th anniversary. Uh, we want to go on a trip to Panama or somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I can do that. And so same mindset. I created a website called, um, uh, uh, what, is, what was it? My40th.com. Oh, yeah. Okay. My40th.com. Mm-hmm. At that time, everyone's turning 40. Yeah. Everybody wants to take a trip yeah. with the homies. Yeah. So I became the guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody wasn't taking golf trips, but they were going group trips. Yeah. So same mindset. It was, look, man, I don't play golf, and you don't even have golf clubs, golf gloves. Or you could be like me. I, I have seen these off-brand Tiger Wood <laughs> first-generation golf clubs that <laughs> you're never going to use. <laughs> yeah. But so what I did was I said, okay, headwear. Um, everyone wears a hat. Most. I create a dope hat that everyone that's iconic. Everyone's kind of going toward this rope hat. And then it was like everyone wears a belt to play golf. Most. Even if you don't have your shirt tucked in, most likely a belt. you got a belt on. Um, and then everyone loves these corded belts. So I was like, all right, so I think I got something here. And, and then I have friends was part of the lifestyle of a golfer. We smoke and we drink on and off the golf course. And for some who don't play golf, you know, smoking cigars is a thing. And who knew that throughout COVID, black folks in the cigar business, 10,000, um, you know, as far, when I say 10,000, meaning like it went from zero to 10,000 in 12 months. Everybody black was smoking cigar. There's Facebook groups of 40,000 people. Yeah, the cigar. Yeah, it's, a, it's a thing now. It's a cigar fish. Not a there's, a, there's a cigar fest in every major city now. Yeah. So I'm the only black-owned company that manufactures uh, golf accessories. There's a lot of other people are doing, like, cigars and tobacco. Yeah. Nobody's manufacturing lighters and torches as, like, that's their own thing. You know, so I just got straight into the accessory side of it. Yeah. So that's, it, it 
though those decisions came because of seeing a need, seeing a trend, and me trying to, to feed that and not be a part of uh, the competition but be an alternative. I read a book a long time ago. It says, be where they ain't. Yeah. And that's my, I, that's my mindset, typically and most always. Be where they ain't. <laughs> See them over there, but I'm going to go over here. Uh, you know, maybe stand, you know, wave my arms and people will come find me that way. I heard a quote from a cartoon movie. <laughs> um, I forget the movie But they said uh, See a need Fill a need Yeah And that's kind of Always been my thing It resonated That statement resonated with me See a need Fill a need And if you Operate in that space You always have to be looking Shark Always have to be looking Like what's the need What are people doing Sharks are going like this They're moving Their heads Side to side Yeah You know And so you have to be Looking at What is the need what are people like? Yeah, I just see what people are doing. What are people? What do people need? What do people need to do? Like you know, and so like, from my practice, same thing. Like I look at there's not a lot of black estate planning attorneys in Central Florida, guardianships, probates. There's we have a very it's a it's not a lot. It's a space that's often um, needed, but there's no black centralized probate law firm. Interesting. And so I remember when you got into the real estate stuff, like yeah. maybe a year and two years, I mean, three years ago. Okay. And I was like, Kamara's going into real estate, but then it was title work and whatever yeah. else you were doing, probably estate planning. Yeah. And it's like, smart. yeah. And it's like, so it's understanding that it's a need that needs, that's not being filled. And so, you know, here we are. Um, and that's probably one of the best things about entrepreneurship. You should be always to fill a need. So when people come to me and they're like, oh, I want to start a business, restaurant business, right? And I've had 20 years in the restaurant business based on my family. I always ask him, I was like, all right, all right. What do you want to do? What, what business? Oh, I want to just give me the arbitrary Jamaican restaurant. Okay. Church uh, chicken is church chicken. <laughs> okay. Right. You know? And so... Um, I'm like, all right, do we need another Jamaican restaurant? And <laughs> that's why I ask him, well, I don't know, but I'm, I'm a great cook. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. But do we need another Jamaican? That's the question I need to ask you. And what's going to make your West Indian restaurant a lot different? And then where are you going to put it? Oh, I'm going to put it in the West side. That's going to be tough because there's a lot of options over there. A lot of options. You know, and so that's, is that a need that really needs to be filled? You know, and so it's just like it comes off as hate. But the question I always, it's like, is there a need? And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll put it on the, on the east side of Orlando. And I'm like, okay, well, heavy Hispanic population. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if a curry forward. It may be, may it may, heavy there up. may be a fill there, but there's, is there a need? need? Right. There's a lot of Colombian restaurants and Venezuelan restaurants over there and Cuban. Right. And they do well. Right. And so those are the things you have to ask yourself in any business. Like, okay, I want to do this, but is there a need for it to do it? I could probably fill a void, but does that void need to be filled? You know? Yeah. And so that's something that I, uh, it's a challenge. I challenge people to do when trying to start off into some form of um, business. So I commend you. I want to thank you 
my mind has been buzzing. Okay. Because I don't, I never get a chance to actually share this. And I feel like this is the proper medium to do it. Okay. Um, in the golf space. Yeah. Not just in golf space, but that's because my, that's my, my world. I think that, and you being in an attorney in a space and, you know, we know some friends who are also in trademarking and patenting. Uh, I have, I really wish sometimes people who look like us thought about the name of their company before they decide to go full on in. Uh, and I say that because sometimes we, we choose a name that's overly urban, urban or slang or the bras, haircuts, or mm-hmm. it's, and then sometimes we put ourselves into a box. A box. Yeah. Um, you know, power and sons, dope. But, you know, power and, you know, power, power in the homies, or, or it's, but those are fine. But I see some names for companies, and I'm like, no one's going to take that company seriously just because of your name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in the golf space, and there's, I mean, and I'm probably going to get dinged for this, but it's okay because if they hear it, they hear it. If they don't, they don't. But the challenge is, and one of the reasons why I, my brain has been able to kind of move in the direction it is, is because it's a, a neutral name. Yeah. You have no idea there's a light-skinned dude on the back, back end of this thing grinding. It just looks like it's just a brand that just showed up out of nowhere on a shelf in a store and you don't know who's behind it until you go to Instagram and see that it's a lot of brown faces. Well, let's, let's dive into that. Right. So name choice, well, not name choice, but I really want to dive into the, the and you bring up a fascinating point about golf and a predominantly, you know, um, Anglo-Saxon business. <laughs> <laughs> And so you being someone that clearly doesn't le- represent the entire scope of that or the scape of that business, veneer wise, mm-hmm. um, what is it like being a black entrepreneur in a white space? There, it's it's challenging. I think that because of the whole George Floyd thing, it's made it. A little, a slightly easier. Mm-hmm. I think, pro, you know, if, it was, if this was pre-George Floyd, I'd be having a more of a challenge yeah. getting into some spaces that I'm getting currently getting into because they feel like they need to, to do it. Um, but a big challenge is what I what's what has happened is that they they gave me an opportunity and just to say that they did, they checked the box. Yeah. It was their, you know, diversity box that they had to check and say, look what we did. Okay, now we can keep going what we were doing before. Um, my fight is getting them to get out of that comfort zone and say, now you need to nurture this thing that you just did. Mm-hmm. Don't just check a box, but check the box and then nurture it. Right. Um, the big challenges, getting being, t- being taken uh, seriously, uh, by you know the the big space, yeah. But I've never I've always been very adamant about the mel- the amount of melanin on my Instagram. You know, like a lot of other brands, they don't intentionally or not intentionally, you know, 
uh, put other faces on theirs. They're like, well, this is just who we are. This is our our base. Right. And to be fair, people of color is my, they're my base. I probably would say ninety ninety percent of people who purchase our stuff are people of color in yeah. some shape or form. Yeah. So why not put people who look like them and reflect their their face on my social media outlets? Mm. Um, but in getting into pro shops, we've gone into pro shops and they just say, you know, so what can I do for you? You know, um, well, we're kind of good with hats. We don't need another hat. You know, and so I was like, okay. So then I changed my, you know, my, my position and went, instead of going directly into the pro shop, now I'm going to the management company. Yeah. And then getting them to push down mm-hmm. versus me going low and then trying to figure out my way up high. That's the, that's the move always. It's always a move. And then now I've identified uh, high school coaches who are people of color, college coaches, people of color, um, so I can get, I can put my belt on that on that college golf team, yeah. on that high school golf team. I may not be able to get my belt and my hat on there yet. Mm-hmm. But I can start with the, you know my 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 belt or glove. I can start with the belt, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then going up and then coming down. Once I've gotten the the thumbs up from the vice president, then now I'm just saying, um, here's the email. He's already given me green light. What are we going to do? Yeah. And it's, then now they don't have to answer to me. They got to answer to him as to, as to why, you know, we, I had this one dude, he just was like, well, we already have our staple brands already. I was like, okay, so you're not opening up to any new brands. He's like, well, not really. So I just talked to Scott and he said, it's green light. And I, so I'm not sure why you're blocking my opportunity here to get inside of your pro shops. He was like, um, Oh, I didn't know you didn't tell me you talked to Scott. Uh, you know, well, that you know, Scott was CC'd on the same email. Obviously, he didn't see it. But sometimes they're not, they're, they're so used to saying we've never done it that way. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, this is just the way they do things. And having, getting them to make change or change the mindset or use people outside of their little buddy crew is challenging for them. Yeah. But, I've got to be fair and just say best thing you could do is just have quality product. Mm. When you're, when you look at the inside of my hat, it doesn't say someone else's brand. My brand is the label. It's all tagged all the way through in the front side and the back of my hat and on the inside. I am the manufacturer. Mm. And to be fair, which I share with people not often, but more frequently now is I'm the only black sports headwear company manufacturer in the U.S. Mm. I'll say that again. Only black-owned sports headwear manufacturer. And a lot of times we get confused with that. It's one thing to say that you make hats. Yeah, It's another thing because you're making hats for your own brand. Yeah, I make hats for mine and other brands as well. So if you're, you know, uh, ex, you know, whatever law firm or you have a company or you're with Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield and you need hats for your staff or your team or for some game and if you have a diversity and inclusion policy where you have to spend a certain amount of money with black owned companies and it's you need headwear 
I'm the only company to go to right now. See a need, fill a need. Boom. Right now, it's I'm the only I'm the only guy in town. Yeah, that's dope. So, first of all, I loved how you you said that in order to really get into a space, you're like, all right, yeah, okay, you're not gonna wear my hats, but what about belts? And you kind of you, you, it's getting through the door, and then letting people get acquiesced to your product. The quality of it. The quality of it. And then once people are like, I like this, what else you got? Boom. You know? So, some, not sometimes, but that's, you know, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, and I, I love that. And that takes vision and an intuitiveness and a stick-to-itiveness, right? Not just intuitive, but stick-to-itiveness. So somebody say, all right, I'm going to continue to go. I'm going to put pressure on you. You ain't gonna say that. You ain't gonna say uh, yes today, but you're not gonna say no today either. Right. You know, I'm gonna make sure I get a little bit in there, and then you know, you're gonna continue to to rock with me. Um, that's kind of a casual question, though. How does one choose? I just, I'm just intrigued with it. I don't know, but like premium leather goods, like how do you go about choosing these products? I'm just interested. Like as far as the, the material. Material for for leather goods specifically. Yeah, like just, I mean, like because you like like you say from Morocco. Like, how the fuck you get from like you know Morocco <laughs> leather? Out, you got to block that shit. Yeah, you're right. So there's difference between calf skin and goat skin. Okay. Um, different skins are more, uh, you know, absorb, you know, dye better than others. Also, calf skin has layers. Mm-hmm. So there's there's like three layers of of their skin where depending on what layer it is, it'll actually uh, feel different. It's more supple, more soft. Um, You know, like people say, this is leather, but you look at, you get stuff from, you know, from China and it says leather and you're like, don't feel like it. But they don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, And then you get stuff from maybe Siakot, Pakistan. And you're like, this is cool. It's thin, but, hmm. And then you get stuff from like Morocco and you're like, this is different, you know? And so I just researched over and over again, trying to see where's the best, you know, leather, leather goods coming from. And it really comes down to the tanneries. Like where are the, where's the best tanneries where they're actually dyeing the leather, Hmm. you know, and Marrakesh is where, you know, where they say this is where the best is, is coming from. People in Tuscany would disagree. Probably, but you know, hey, yeah. at the end of the day, everybody's like, oh, it's Italian leather, yeah. you know, but sure. Mm-hmm. But, and you look at the the texture of some of the leather coming out of Tuscany compared to, you know, it's different. You can see the, in my, in my, my duffel bags, you can actually see like the grade in the leather. It doesn't all look like it's the same print. Yeah. You know, there's certain, a pocket on the ends may be just a little bit different from the body of the actual bag, but that shows it's, you know, authenticity that it's an authentic leather bag. If your entire bag looks exactly the same, every corner of it, how, you know, like it's been processed some, mm. there's some machine in there doing something mm-hmm. to get that pebbled look. It's not natural. We don't have pebbled skin. Calves and goats don't have pebbled skin naturally. So in some part of that process, some machine pressed it, did something to it to 
to manipulate or do something different to it. But I try to make sure that our bags are pretty natural. How did you get this education in leather? <laughs> <laughs> leather, uh, um, you know, I guess a doctorate, a doctorate in leather. Like it's, our children, YouTube. Oh, yeah. YouTube, um, asking questions and just looking at other companies that have been very successful in the business mm-hmm. and just listening to what they say. You know, there's people who've been doing it for 30 years. Listen to them. Yeah. You know, if you're an attorney and you want to know what's the best way to be able to manage certain things or deal with certain types of clients or how to go up against a, a judge that's has a, like a brick, brick face, you got to talk to, a, you know, a vet. Yeah. And just say, how do I soften this, this judge or whatever it is? But anything else, research. Right. Read, listen, watch. And somewhere in the middle, you'll find, you know, just what you need to. I did the same thing with tourism. I don't know anything about travel and tourism and hospitality and booking trips and flights and hotel rates and wholesale rates. And that was foreign to me. Right. I was a teacher. But I've rebranded myself <laughs> yeah. and recreated, you know, and I'm 47. Right. I'm just getting started. Absolutely. Yeah. Second half of your life. Yeah, man. I'm on the back nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the back nine, but I feel so much more empowered and more knowledgeable now mm-hmm. than I was. I would, If I was given this opportunity five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to know what I was doing with it. But uh, the relationships I have now, um, everything that I've done up until now in golf space and outside of golf space has given me the, the circle and network to be able to do what I'm doing right now as we speak. So I'm I'm gonna uh, close on this man because I want to you know want you to give the listening audience Ooh, nuggets some nuggets on clo- you know just on black entrepreneurship and just operating in in the spaces that don't necessarily look like us. Uh, to quote my business partner, every major company that's publicly traded started off as an entrepreneurial you know, idea. You know, um, Nike started off as an entrepreneurial, you know, effort. You know, you look at big businesses, whether it be software, whether it be SaaS, Oracle, or Amazon, or look at Elon Musk, all these big companies, Steve Jobs, they just sat there in their garage or in their house and came up with an idea, and it was just them. Some of them had a partner, and that partner didn't always stick because they thought you were crazy. But every every business that's Fortune 500, Fortune 250, 100 started off as an entrepreneurial effort. So you just have to stick with it. Sometimes you got to listen to the voices in your head. Um, sometimes you have to block them out because they will be a distraction. If I can give three three pieces of small advice. I didn't ask you for three, but you can give three. <laughs> quickly. Okay. Minimize distractions. Okay. Sacrifice. Mm. That 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 includes everything. Yeah. Sometimes unfortunate and unfortunately. Family, friends and and free time. Uh and and have the tenacity that it takes to actually to get the shit done. Some people just don't have the tenacity within them to just say, you know, fuck it, go harder. Yeah. Fuck it. I I'll sleep tomorrow. Yeah. 
let me go get up, get out the house, go to Dunkin' Donuts or 7-Eleven and go get a coffee real quick, get my, you know, endorphins back up again, and I could put another two hours left in me just to get it done before I go to sleep. Sometimes it just takes that tenacity and that willpower to just push through. Facts. Uh, or the tenacity, like, I'm tired, I've been working all day, but I need to fucking do a, a podcast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... You know, um, because it's necessary and required It's necessary and required. And, you know, I have a schedule I need to meet and people might be like, well, you know, just take a week off. You don't have to record every week. And it was like, no, Mm -hmm. I have to. This is something I have to do, you know, Um, and I have to minimize the distractions and I have to sacrifice. I have to sacrifice some family time a lot, you know, with pre-production, post-production, definitely um, during the pod. So there's a lot of sacrifice in there and hanging out with friends. I get that. I get all that. Um, so one thing I want to say, man, is like when you're walking into any space that does not look like us, there's a depth of fear that can engulf you. And you have to be able to walk in that fear and be able to, you know, um, not be afraid to be at the bottom of this, the pit, because you have a vision of being at the top. And, Vision is incredible because your surrounding circumstances will be the reality of what it is at this time. You know what? Very rarely do people start off at the very tippy top. Very rarely. And so oftentimes you start off at the very bottom of whatever, you know, thing you're doing, entrepreneurial, otherwise. And I want to encourage people that if they're going to start off in the space and do something different, it's okay. It's okay to be at the bottom. It's okay. In the golf space, black Americans represent, I think it was like four and a quarter billion of like the you know, revenue um, and just what we spend. But we really do have people that represent us in the commercial side of it as far as, you know, revenue or as far as um, selling products. And you just heard that somebody said he, he's the only person, the only manu- black manufacturer hat maker. And so it's important for us to be like, all right, I may not be at the top. But I'm going to be, I'm going to um, ascend because I see a need, I need to fill a need. And um, I have the tenacity, I have the, the focus, and I have the willpower, and I'm willing to sacrifice to get where I'm going to go. Um, so, you know, I want people to take these nuggets. Um, don't be afraid to spread your wings, uh, fly, and, you know, um, guess what? You may start off at the bottom, but, you know, you're going to actually rise to the top. So with that being said, uh, we're going to write out. If you love this podcast, continue to subscribe, uh, send it to your friends. And Ty, I really do enjoy this, really enjoy this conversation, and I hope to have you back on um, in the future if you're down for it. Always, man. All right. So with that being said, we're going to write out. Um, thank you all for listening, and, you know, here we go. Started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here Started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now the whole team here Nigga, started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now my whole team here Nigga, started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now the whole team fucking here I done kept it real from the jump Living at my mama house, we'd argue every month, nigga I was trying to get it on my own 
Working all night, traffic on the way home And my uncle calling me like, where you at? I gave you the keys, so you bring it right back, nigga I just think it's funny how it goes Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show And we started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here Started from